0: This morning is the book of Proverbs, and we're going to read the thirteenth chapter, Proverbs, chapter thirteen. A wise son heareth his father's instruction. But a scorner heareth not rebuke. A man shall eat good by the fruit of his mouth, but the soul of the transgressor shall eat violence. He that keepeth his mouth keepeth his life, but he that openeth wide his lips shall have destruction. The soul of the sluggard desireth and hath nothing, But the soul of the diligent shall be made fat. A righteous man hateth lying. But a wicked man is loathsome and cometh to shame. Righteousness keepeth him that is upright in the way. But wickedness overthroweth the sinner. There is that maketh himself rich. Yet hath nothing. There is that maketh himself poor, yet hath great riches. The ransom of a man's life are his riches, but the poor heareth not rebuke. The light of the righteous rejoiceth, but the lamp of the wicked shall be put out. Only by pride cometh contention, but with the well-advised is wisdom. Wealth gotten by vanity shall be diminished, but he that gathereth by labor shall increase. Hope deferred maketh the heart sick, but when the desire cometh, it's a tree of life. Whoso despiseth the word shall be destroyed, but he that feareth the commandment shall be rewarded. The law of the wise is a fountain of life to depart from the snares of death. Good understanding giveth favor, but the way of transgressors is hard. Every prudent man dealeth with knowledge, but a fool layeth open his folly. A wicked messenger falleth into mischief, but a faithful ambassador is health. Poverty and shame shall be to him that refuseth instruction, but he that regardeth reproof shall be honored. The desire accomplished is sweet to the soul, but it is abomination to fools to depart from evil. He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. Evil pursueth sinners, but to the righteous good shall be repaid. A good man leaveth an inheritance to his children's children, and the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. Much food is in the tillage of the poor, but there is that is destroyed for want of judgment. He that spareth his rod hateth his son. But he that loveth him chasteneth him betimes. The righteous eateth to the satisfying of his soul, but the belly of the wicked shall want. Our text this morning is verse 22. A good man leaveth an inheritance to his children's children, and the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. May God bless the reading and the preaching of his word again this morning. Loved in our Lord Jesus Christ, I'm in that age group that has stood at the graveside of my parents, and I am of that age that the grave also stares me in the face And the question is, what inheritance did my parents leave me? And what inheritance will I leave for my children and my children's children? At a men's conference, there was one sectional on finances, the Christian and finances. And one gentleman remarked, regarding the saving up for his old age. And then he said, I need to have a nest egg for my children, for it is parents that give to the children, not children that have to take care of the aged. What was he talking about? Yes, he was talking about material things, wasn't he? Is that really what our passage is telling us? That we have to try to lay up material goods for our children so that when we die they can squabble over them? Who gets what and how much do they get? Is that what Solomon in this proverb is talking about? The good man that lays up, passes on an inheritance to his children's children? Have you asked yourself, when the Lord calls me home, what have I left for my family? What have I left for my children and their children? It was a question I had to ask when I came to our churches. Where do I want my children? Where do I want my children's children to be raised? What kind of practices, what kind of doctrine, what kind of church attendance, what kind of schooling would they have? Our passage talks about passing on an inheritance. As God's word tells us, train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he is older, he will not turn from it. What a promise that is. You know, it doesn't mean everyone. We can lay up an inheritance and yet our children can squabble even that spiritual inheritance. They can say, I'm not interested in that inheritance. They can be an Esau who willingly gave up part of his inheritance for a little bowl of soup. What is this inheritance, first of all, that is spoken of in our passage? Notice, second of all, with me then, the duty enjoined, both of those who give that inheritance and those who receive that inheritance, and then, thirdly, the blessed future, the promise that comes with it. If you look at our text, immediately you will see that it is A covenantal text, because it talks about generations. A good man leaveth an inheritance to his children's children. Covenantal, because God is pleased to work in the line of our generations, isn't he? No, that does not mean that all of our children, that all of our children's children will know and love the Lord. We know that the line of election reprobation comes right through our own families many times. But the promise to Abraham, the promise that comes to all the believers, that is the children of Abraham by faith is that God is pleased to work in the lines of generations. Over against some Christian churches which look at God's saving people as plucking up an individual here and plucking up another individual there and another individual there, they have no assurance of their children whether they're saved, but they view their children as little vipers whom they must evangelize. The reformed faith holds to God's word and the covenant of grace, which is in the generations. God said to Abraham, I will be a God unto thee and to thy seed after thee in their generations to be their God, and they will be my children. For the promise is unto you, Acts chapter 2 verse 39, and to your children and to all that are far off, even as the... Lord our God shall call. So our text talks about not just one generation, but two generations. And as I look at the congregation this morning, family and friends here, I see not only grandparents and parents, but I see great grandparents here. How beautiful that we can gather together as families claiming God's word. Claiming that promise, God is faithful. God will continue to gather his church in our generations and he uses means, doesn't he? He uses godly parents. He uses godly grandparents and great-grandparents that love and care for their family that God has given to them. What is our place in that covenant? You see, our children aren't just our parents, and they're not just our grandparents' children, but they are God's children. They are children of the church of Jesus Christ. What is that inheritance that is given? It's a treasure, It is the wisdom that God passes on to his people through means that they are sinners. That they can't do anything to save themselves. That they'll look away from themselves to the only one true God and his son, Jesus Christ. We read in 1 Peter chapter 1. Of that inheritance that is kept for us in heaven, and we are being kept by God for that inheritance. So, what is that inheritance that's being kept for us that is passed on? It is, beloved, a spiritual inheritance. Oh yes, in the Old Testament it took the form of material things, that is, it was physical in nature. It was the land that God gave to his redeemed people, the land that was divided up for the people by Joshua, a land that could not be sold, one could not take it away by force, And so we have the story, don't we, of Naboth. Boys and girls, you remember that story, how King Ahab, that wicked king, wanted that vineyard that was next to his summer palace in Samaria. He offered to buy it from Naboth, give him even better land to keep. And Naboth said no. No, this is my inheritance. This is the inheritance for myself and my sons after me in their generations. It was a picture, wasn't it, of our place in heaven, the place that we have in heaven, ourselves and our children and our children's children. That land of Canaan in which Abraham sojourned as a pilgrim and a stranger And why did he sojourn there? He didn't own even one acre until he bought the cave of Machpelah for his wife's burial. But he wandered there living in tents because he was looking for that city that has foundations whose builder and maker is God. So the earthly was a picture of the spiritual inheritance, heaven. And that inheritance that we have with our God in heaven, in Christ Jesus, is an inheritance that we receive only by Jesus Christ, isn't it? That is, you and I cannot take our children in hand and pull them along with us into heaven. It doesn't work that way. We don't receive this inheritance by nature. In fact, by nature, we lost it, didn't we? Adam and Eve lost that inheritance when they rebelled against God, when they would not listen to him, and they disobeyed. But it is God who, in his grace, came to Adam and to Eve and gave it back again. No, not the land, the Garden of Eden, but something far more beautiful And that would be when finally the Lord takes them home and there is the new heavens and the new earth. So how does one become an heir of heaven? How does one become an heir to that precious inheritance that is passed on? And again, the answer is that only, only through Jesus Christ. Through Jesus Christ, crucified, his son, His blood shed there on the cross in order to wash away your and my sins. Jesus Christ who not only gives us the forgiveness of sins but delivers us from the power of sin. Jesus Christ who by his spirit has given us new hearts and calls us, calls us away from self and from sin and from Satan, calls us to himself. It is the Lord Jesus by his Spirit that works faith within us. And not only gives us that faith initially, but from Sunday to Sunday strengthens that faith. So that our footsteps are directed in the right way and not going off into wrong ways. Our footsteps are in Christ Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by him. What is that inheritance that we receive in Christ Jesus? He's our elder brother. He is the only begotten Son of God through whom you and I become sons and daughters of God. Is there anything more glorious than to be a son or a daughter of God? That's why that prayer after baptism is so beautiful, isn't it? It's a prayer about our adoption as children that the Lord is always going to care for us. The Lord is going to preserve his own and that no one, no one can pluck them out of the Father's hand and no one can pluck them out of Jesus' hand. Saved in the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, may that inheritance be of inestimable value to me and you. Do you count it precious? Young people, young adults, are you thankful to God that God put you in a Christian home with Christian parents who care for you? Are you thankful for the Christian education that is given to you? And do you say to the Lord on Monday through Friday, "Thank you, Lord, that I may go to a Christian school. That I've got Christian teachers, I've got a Christian administrator. There is a board there trying to make sure that besides the parents caring for their children in the home, they also have they are being trained for their life here in this world by godly men and women. The world might look at us as we give up Sundays in their estimate to be in God's house. The world might look at us and shake their heads and say, when you can get a free education by the government, why in the world would you spend your thousands of dollars for your own schools. Inestimable, precious inheritance raised as God's children to know him. To know him as he is revealed in his word, as he's revealed in his precious names, as he's revealed in his wonderful attributes, as he is known by his works, as he is known by his precious word. What inheritance, a permanent possession that cannot be taken away from the child of God. We go from the earthly life with the knowledge that God is directing our steps, every one of them, Even as he's given us Christian parents, Christian homes, Christian schools, the church that we come to, he has our future also mapped out for us step by step, and we're never left alone as his children, but our Father in heaven, through his Spirit, is always with us as we walk. What is this inheritance? The land of Canaan, an earthly type of the heaven and the new earth that will come. The land of Canaan flowing with milk and honey. The Israelites coming into that inheritance from their wilderness wandering for 40 years. And what a land it was. They didn't have to build houses. They didn't have to put walls around cities. They didn't have to plant olive trees or vineyards. It was all just given to them. What a rich heritage. What is our inheritance? The Church of Jesus Christ. Little Hannah, along with her other sisters, Members of Christ's church. And someday they will stand up, as our young people do, and they make confession of their faith. Now it's the parents' faith. They believe these things that the scripture teach, that the articles of the Christian faith hold forth, that are taught in this Christian church. And they say, we don't want to give that up. We want our children there, and we want our children's children raised there so that they will know the Lord, love the Lord, serve the Lord, and obey the Lord. Why is the church so important? Why is it so important which church you go to? Because there's no salvation outside of the church. God is pleased to gather his church in our generations. Not an individual here, an individual there, but he gathers a church. And what does that church teach? Who are teaching them? What doctrines, what Reformed heritage do you count privileged to know And you want your children to know and your children's children to know and their children to know the reformation that God brought to his church when she was departing from his word so terribly that we are saved by grace alone through faith in our Lord Jesus Christ alone. Not saved by works. That God's grace, that His favor is peculiar, particular. It is only for His own. Physically and spiritually, He loves His people. What is that heritage? It's that precious knowledge of His covenant. Not an agreement. Not God saying, let's make a deal. God didn't come to Abraham and say, look, Abram, I'll do this for you if you're willing to do this for me. Think a moment of that covenant. I will be a God unto thee and to thy seed after thee in their generations. That's a relationship, isn't it? How then can some teach that the covenant is really an agreement, a bilateral agreement between God and man? We have those kind of agreements as human beings, don't we? I make an agreement with a bank when I have to buy a car or perhaps when I want to buy a house. Yes, they'll lend me the money, but I have to pay it back with interest. And the moment I don't do that... They repossess that house or that car. It's a relationship, or it's an agreement really, that any one of us who have made that with a bank are very thankful when finally that contract is filled and we don't owe the bank anything more. Is that the relationship that God has with his people? And the answer is no. But we raise our children to know that precious covenant where God is our God and we are his people, unilaterally made with Abraham and his seed after him, with you and me and our children after us. A relationship that cannot be broken. Oh, it's violated many times. And yes, there's obligations in the covenant, aren't there? And that's exactly what we're talking about this morning, the obligation, where the good man passes on an inheritance to his children and his children's children. Oh, may that heritage that is given to us, that reformed heritage, not be lost to us or to our children or our children's children. Can it be lost? The answer is yes, it can be lost. If parents don't pass on that heritage, or if parents separate themselves from the church where that truth is taught, or if parents do not have those devotions in the home with their children, the family altar. For as we read, After Joshua passed on the period of Judges, there grew up a generation that knew not the Lord nor what he had done for them. What a terrible, terrible thing. What a horrible thing that older generation did there. Instead of speaking to their children of what the Lord has done for them and is doing for them from day to day. Grew up a generation that didn't know the Lord. And it pains me when I see in churches, those China drink generations growing up, where the children are not included in the worship service, where the young people don't go to the worship service, but they have a young people's meeting instead downstairs, when do they really expect that those children then are going to be in church with them, hearing God's word? Do they know what they're doing? When more and more children go to the government schools, where more and more children don't have good catechism instruction, It used to be when I would do any instruction for young people that wanted to come into the church, it made quite a difference from their background, whether they were never in a church before, whether they were in a very liberal church, or whether they were brought up in a good, reformed church But increasingly, as I give instruction to those who come into the church, I find that many from good reformed churches, they haven't been taught as they should. The children are without that knowledge that they ought to have. What is that inheritance? Well, beloved, it is that Christian home Where fathers and mothers diligently teach their children, that's one of the questions, isn't it, asked to the parents. Whether they promise and intend to bring up their children in the aforesaid doctrines. It is a family altar where our children can hear dad and mom or maybe the grandparents at the table praying for them individually as they're going to begin the day in studies or at school, that they'll honor their teachers, obey them, that they'll do the best of their ability in their schoolwork, that they'll be kind and courteous to their fellow students. Yes, the family altar, parents praying for their children by name, and may their children hear then the father and mothers and grandparents, love for them and prayers for them, is preparing our children so that when they come to catechism, they don't have to cheat and look at the book trying to give the answers, but they know it because they have laid it into their hearts, hidden it there. Yes, I'm talking about that, parents. Are you making sure of that inheritance that you pass on, that the children in catechism study their work beforehand, lay that to memory, that they're prepared in the class then to understand what is being taught. The Christian church. How wonderful that we come as families. How beautiful it is to see the family together in worship. Do you see how That inheritance is not, first of all, money, things. Too many people are concerned with leaving things for their children. And there's an old adage. One generation earns it. The next generation saves it. And the third generation spends and squanders it away. And there goes that material things. Lay up, pass on a spiritual inheritance that our children, our young people, know who they are. They've been separated out from the world, separated unto God in Christ Jesus. They are children of God, or as we're going to have in the young people's conference later on this summer, children of the light. Children of the light who know their calling to live in this dark world as the light. That is God himself who is the light reflected through them. What an inheritance. And now there's a duty enjoined, isn't there? And what is that duty? Notice first of all who is addressed in our passage The good man passes on an inheritance. The good man, who is that good man? It is that person, if we use that word good, who is beneficial, who is useful in the life of their children, who doesn't say, well, someone else can do it. The good man is a spiritual man. He is the one who himself loves the Lord, who loves spiritual things, who loves the church, who loves the children that God has given unto him, and who wants the best things for those children, namely godliness, a relationship with their Lord by faith. The good man passes on an inheritance. Let me give some illustrations of that from Scripture. In a time when Pharaoh said, all the little baby boys must be drowned in the Nile River, we have a godly couple that give birth to another child in their family. Boys and girls, you know who that is. Who was hid in a little basket in the river Yeah, it was Moses. And how beautifully, before Moses is going to be entrusted in the home of Pharaoh's daughter, Miriam says, shall I find a wet nurse for him? And little Moses is taken back to his parents' home until he is weaned in order that he could be instructed by his godly parents then, prepared then for his life later on in Pharaoh's house. Prepared so that when he would weigh, do I want Pharaoh's house and the wealth and the power that comes with it or do I want identification with God's people he was ready to give up Egypt and all of its treasures, willing to endure persecution, to be named with God's people who were slaves at that time. Or let me give another illustration. The desire of Hannah for a child. What a godly desire. She prays to the Lord for that child And old Eli thinks she's drunk because he could see her lips moving, but her heart, the prayer, was going up to God. She prayed for a son that was needed for the church to lead them righteously. And she dedicated that child, if the Lord would give unto her, to the Lord's service. What a godly resolve, for you remember when she finally brings him there to the temple Eli's wicked sons are there doing horrible things at the tabernacle. But before Hannah gives up little Samuel to the Lord's service, where is he first the first couple years that are so important in his life? He's in his parents' home with a wife, his mother, teaching him, preparing him, and finally giving him to the Lord. What is the calling? Parents, tell your children. Make it very personal. Tell them what the Lord has done for you. How he has raised you up as his children. How he has led you during your life. How he has kept you at times from temptations. Speak these things to your children. Make it very practical. So that as they can see how God cared for their parents, they also then have that trust that the Lord will take care of them also. What an important calling. A duty enjoined parents, grandparents, great-grandparents, the church. How beautiful in our baptism form not only the parents making sure that these children are going to have a christian education but the church you and I who witness that baptism you and I who give our monies for our christian schools I'm thankful that we're able as a church have a fund set up to help our parents because it is very expensive but you see we don't say well let everyone take care of their own kids But as a congregation, we care for all of our precious children, those still unborn yet in the womb, little babes in our arms, little children sitting around us, young people, young adults. You are precious to the Lord and you are precious to us as parents, grandparents, great-grandparents, God's gift. So there is that calling of parents but there is, beloved, also then a calling to the children. Even while young, how often in this chapter of Proverbs 13 isn't it the wisdom that is handed down that the children receive that wisdom, that they hide that wisdom in their hearts, that they listen to their parents, they listen to their Christian school teachers, they listen to the pastors or the elders And yes, even as they grow older and if they should become delinquent which the catechism or where our form for confession of faith comes, they listen to the elders as they bring the word of God to them calling them to repent. A great duty from one generation to the next generation to the following generation Passing on the heritage of God's people. God's relationship with his people on earth. The importance that there may not among us be a generation that grows up that knows not the Lord. That happened. Didn't it in Israel's history? There were others that didn't want the inheritance that the Lord was giving them through Joshua. Do you remember, boys and girls, the tribe of Dan? Oh, they were allotted a certain amount of the land of Canaan. They didn't like it, it was too close to the Philistines. And so they hightailed instead way north in an uninhabited area bringing false priests with them. May that not be. May we as parents, may we as a church daily pray for our children that they receive this inheritance from us, they they cherish that inheritance, they lay it to heart. That over against material wealth which can all be taken away. I'm thinking of a couple of verses in Ecclesiastes 5. Because even Solomon for a while forgot what his main duty was. He wanted more and more things. He wanted to be a rich and powerful king. But what when afterwards, when Solomon looks at his life, he writes the book of Ecclesiastes. And he writes there in Ecclesiastes 5, verse 13 and following, There is a sore evil which I have seen under the sun, namely riches kept for the owners thereof to the hurt. But those riches perish by evil travail, and he begetteth a son, and there is nothing in his hand. And as he came forth of his mother's womb, naked shall he return to go as he came and shall take nothing of his labor which he may carry away in his hand. Oh, Solomon says that is a sore evil, that in all points as he came, so shall he go, and what profit hath he that hath labored for the wind? Again, the question, what inheritance are you going to be passing on? God's word there says, if it's material things, Whether it be cars or houses or bank accounts, it's as the wind. One can hold it a little while in his hand, but you can't take it with you. But the inheritance that we are to pass on is a spiritual inheritance that is in one's heart and life and that can never be taken away from us. We carry it with us from this life into the life to come. So notice with me, after that duty enjoined upon us as a church, as parents, as grandparents, care for this generation, the blessed future. And what is the blessed promise? What is the glorious thing? Can there be, beloved, any more precious time than when we open up God's word and speak with our children about it? It's the most precious amount of time that you and I could ever spend. Oh, mothers, to hold those little kids on your lap. Let them know that you love them and God loves them. Those precious years, and those years are few, aren't they? Before we know it, the 18 years about that a child is with us in our home are gone and they start their own home. Do we cherish that time? Speaking to our children of spiritual things. I like that song in our psalter, A Personal Testimony. Speak of what the Lord's done for you. What the Lord is going to do for his children. Those who believe in Christ Jesus and love him and walk in his footsteps. Nothing greater than that privilege of holding our children and teaching those children. Second of all, the blessedness of the future. We're celebrating this year, aren't we? 100 years as a denomination. And I say that with all humility. Let us not be proud as if we did something so well, but rather God's faithfulness, God alone who can make our children, his children, but God who's pleased to use tools, the Christian home, the Christian school, the Christian church, that church continuing, by God's grace, his faithfulness to us. As we read there in God's word from Jeremiah We are not consumed because his mercies are new every morning. What a glorious future lies ahead. Although the church in this world looks like a little hut in a cucumber field, tiny, small, remnant, it is a grand structure. Living stones built upon that foundation of which Christ is the cornerstone and the apostles' teaching passed on from generation to generation. And we read in this passage over against the rich heritage or inheritance that our children have, the end of the verse we read there that the wealth of the heathen will be given unto them. So whereas God's children in faith being obedient to him, fulfilling our calling, we pass on a rich heritage. The things that the world wants to pass on to their generations are taken away from them. And they are given to God's children. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And we have pictures of that too in the Old Testament, don't we? All the wealth of the Canaanites the gold, the silver, the nice houses, the vineyards, the olive orchards, all given to God's people. And so also, God gives us all things in this life and in the life to come. One day the whole earth, the new earth, is ours to enjoy with our God, the good man, passes on an inheritance to his children's children. Beloved, he uses tools. God is pleased to use tools. Our children don't come into that inheritance by nature. It's God who gives new hearts and it is God who gives Christian teachers, Christian parents, Christian pastors, a church to lead and to guide God's people, God's little people, as they're growing up, to know and love him. Amen. Father in heaven, we thank thee. We thank thee for the fruit of the womb, We are thankful that thou dost give us these little children for a little while to lead, to guide, to instruct, to bring up in the fear of the Lord. We're thankful, Father, for the tools given to us, our Christian schools, the catechism classroom, the Christian home, The time when our children sit on our laps, but also the time when our children grow up and become independent and they take these riches that are given unto them and pass it on to their children too. Lord, we are thankful for our boys and girls, our young people, our young adults, each of them. May they be, O Lord, nourished like trees, set in rich soil, Growing tall and strong, not overcome by the wind of false doctrine, but rather growing strong and producing fruit, all to thy glory. We ask this in Jesus' name.